0: Welcome to the Dirt Reporters Podcast for the week of August 18th, where, as always, we're discussing all the news, results, and notable topics of dirt late model racing. I'm DirtOnDirt.com staff writer Joshua Joyner, joined by two of the other three members of the DOD editorial staff. Uh, Robert Holman has the uh, week off, so it'll just be myself and Todd Turner and Kevin Kovac. You uh, you guys think we can hold it down this week? I think so. <laughs> I think whenever we whenever we decided to just be the three of us, Todd made a joke and said, "Uh, just be more time for Kevin to talk." So we'll uh, we'll examine after. I, I don't know what he I don't know. What, <laughs> I can't believe that. Why would he say such a thing? You know. I'm sure Kevin you.
1: can fill any 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 empty air. Kevin can fill for us.
0: <laughs> I have a feeling he will. But uh, anyway, so we're uh, coming off a big week at uh, Florence Speedway for the North South. 100. There in Todd's home state. Uh, Todd was covering that that event. I was uh, in uh, Illinois and Missouri for the uh, summer nationals. Return to uh, our end of their break. or do you want to call it? The makeup week, I guess, for Highland Speedway and I-55 events. And uh, Kevin had a had a weekend off the road after uh, some extensive summer travel. So uh, Todd will start you. Did you have a good trip uh, there to, to Florence? No, it's not too far for you. Did you enjoy the, the ride over?
1: Yeah, it's great to have something close by and uh, re- really
0: a good event.
1: I mean, that the the Friday thing, the the rain, they kind of got that out of the way for Saturday and it was so such a beautiful night actually in the upper 70s and you know, quite quite pleasant for this time of year and they had a early uh pretty early start and uh and a, and a nice smooth weekend and lots of interesting storylines to follow too on I enjoy, uh, it's nice to have something so close uh, when it works out, uh, um, you know, to be able to cover and just zip back and forth and, and, and cover a big race like that. So it went well.
0: Yeah, I hear you being down here in uh, the panhandle of Florida has uh, got to drive pretty significantly far to have a, any kind of major event to cover and no no going back and forth, unfortunately. Ke- uh, Kevin, I noticed one thing last week, you mentioned uh, Brandon Overton told you at, at Cedar Lake to make sure he was second. In the uh, top 25 because he only wins when or he's always win, always wins when he's second or something like that and so uh, we kind of joked about that last week but it turned out uh, to be correct as he uh, he dominated there at at uh, Florence and uh, won both the North South Shootout tune up race and then got the fifty thousand in the North South 100 so uh, it looks like he was he was right
2: as soon as he was going for the win there uh, I'm thinking back to Cedar Lake after the race sitting standing there talking to him and he's uh talking about how he wanted us to vote him second and of course uh I, you know I t- I texted him after the race after he won the first night and he's like see I told you so that's what you got vote me second
0: <laughs> so I guess he's probably pissed this week cuz he's number 1 right <laughs> Yes, a, a unanimous number one. So uh, he'll have to learn how to to win as number number one there if he's going to win the the topless keep his uh, hot streak ro- uh, going at at Batesville. So we'll uh, we'll talk more about uh, the North South and a little bit about the Topless 100 coming up this week there at uh, Batesville Motor Speedway in Arkansas, another big event uh, for Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series. Uh, but we'll talk about that more in a little bit. But uh, Todd, I want to start with you. Like I said, you were at uh, the North South there and, and covered that event. Did it? Did it kind of feel. I know at when we were at the at Eldora, there got to be a sense uh, that it was just kind of destined for for Overton, as good as he was, and how how dominant he was, and how smooth his car was. He was going to win. You know, I don't know about sweeping the weekend, but he was going to be the big winner. You know, dominant car on the week. You know, did, did you kind of get that sense at any point early on at, at Florence that this is going to be you know, Brandon Overton's week here?
1: Yeah, I think. Uh saturday night you know we had the break before while they're kind of
0: waiting for the tv
1: broadcast and i was kind of going around talking to people and everybody, everybody's kind of like well i don't know about anybody beating 76 and it mm-hmm. really mccready who who ended up in a second won a couple heat races and and was on the pole he 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 looked capable to me and he was he was very good but but overton was just Uh, And we kind of have talked about this before and wrote about it in the stories and stuff. He's just so smooth and just looked like he was just cruising around down there, you know, and and in contrast, Josh Rice and some of the other guys that were running higher on the track, you know, they are just like, their tongues are hanging out. They're slapping off the wall. They're, they're bouncing through the hole in turn four, you know, every they're doing everything they can to, to even keep up with him. And then you just look back up there at Overton he's just like, he's like a slot car going around the track in the kind of the lower middle part of the track. I mean, just like effortless. And I'm sure it's not, it's not as easy as it looks and it takes a lot of work to get there. Uh, But, but I'm sure uh, like Rice even said that to me, you know, he, when he was kind of, he was catching Overton there for a while. I'm not, I'm not sure if he ever could, if he could have got by him or what would have happened, but he was kind of catching him before late caution there. But, but he even said, I kind of looked ahead and there's up Overton just like cruising around. And it's like, and he felt like he was just like, you know, doing everything he could, uh, uh, just to keep up with him. So, uh, uh, yeah, there was a little, a little, uh, feeling of, uh, of the, that Overton was just going to be the guy to beat. And, uh, and it really turned out that way. I mean, it was, uh, um, a race, a, gr- a great race for second, you know, those guys, uh, Davenport, McCready, and Rice there with about five to go were like in a wad going across the line, and it would have been like, man, if that would have been the battle for the lead, that would have been something else. But, but there Overton is running all our fun and, uh, and
0: running out front. He's uh he's getting pretty good at doing that uh here lately. It seems like uh, ruining the uh, stinking up the show as they, as they say, but uh it was a, a pretty, a really good race uh, for second there, as you mentioned, Todd. And I do want to kind of talk about that because Tim McCready um, and I believe you, you know, mentioned this, uh wrote uh, about this, Todd has uh three or no, Kevin, I think mentioned this in fast talk. Is it three runner up finishes for McCready now and in, in crown jewel events this summer? Yeah, and, and right. The, the dream, the second dream, uh, the Saturday Night Dream and also the Silver Dollar Nationals. Yeah, I was I was looking and I used this as the you know the the comment line uh, in writing the top 25 uh, you know story uh, that I do I do most every week I, have, I write that and so I always look for something interesting and it stood out to me about McCready is he has I, I believe it's those three runner-up finishes paid twenty twenty thousand each and that sixty thousand dollars his five victories I added it up the five wins he has this year. Is like fifty three thousand dollars. So he has more <laughs> won more money and second place finishes than he has victories this year, which I would have to imagine is uh is is kind of you know an interesting unique, especially to for someone who's been pretty good. Uh, you know, just kind of, Kevin, I know you kind of follow McCready being, you know, from that same area up there, big block guy yourself. Um, You know, what's his year like right now? Is this a good year for him? He's leading Lucas all points, but he's really not having a, you know, a, a standout year. But to have those two or three second place finishes kind of certainly pad the pocketbook a little bit, I think
2: oh yeah so like i I think he mentioned that in Victory Lane there too he goes, yeah it is good for the checkbook when you I mean if you had three twenty thousand dollar wins in a season that's a pretty good year I mean you'd be like, hey that guy's doing pretty well because you know uh there's not that many races that even pay that much and to have three seconds that pay that much uh it's uh it's it's a good thing for the pocketbook in, in one sense because hey uh it's good money but I know McCready, it's it's he's so competitive that it's gonna be eaten at him. I mean, I'm like he's he really mentioned that in Victory Lane too, where uh, he's saying we're just not good enough. I mean, he said Davenport and Overton are like Pac-Man and they're just eating up all the wins and and we're just a little bit off. And remember, he took off two weeks. He didn't race uh after since that Silver Dollar National second place finish. He didn't race at the Fairbury and the Peridot Classic, and he also didn't race USA Nationals. Those are two races he's won in the past, and he decided to take them off. He, he was going to run Virginia Motors for the 20,000-to-win show uh, last week. That ended up getting rained out. I know they did a little testing, too. He mentioned he's talked about that, trying to get better, and it, it's still not quite good enough to to, to overtake uh, Overton and and he, although he did beat Davenport, he was able to beat Davenport yesterday on Saturday night, just nipping him at the line. Uh, I'm, I know that Tim McCready's sitting there thinking how much money he could have won. And it's probably it's it's when, when just being three seconds. I think I figured that out. What was that? One hundred and seventy one thousand or something? I think, something. You, you said, I think yeah, it was. Yeah. I wrote, you know, I figured that Crazy. out before over $170,000 extra, he would have been able to win if he had just gotten those two, uh, you know, three of those wins with three seconds turns into wins. Uh, And, and I know that's, that's, you don't want to think like that, like what, what could have been, but when you got second places, it's a lot easier to, it's a lot harder to get that out of your mind than if you're uh, finishing third or something like that. So, and I know McCready is thinking that, I mean, well, at least just one of them would have been a hundred grand, you know, or uh, over a hundred grand just at, uh, Eldora.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure he's kind of, kind of, you know, it's good in one sense with the, 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 the money, but uh, I'm sure he's wishing uh, a couple of those, if not all three, he'd, uh, you know, been one spot better, uh, for, for his, uh, pocketbook alone. Um, uh, Todd, you know, going back to you, you're there at North, the North South, give us, uh, uh, you know, what's what's a couple other storylines that you kind of had your eye on throughout the weekend. I know you mentioned it being a lot of good storylines. What were some things that, that stood out to you while you were there that maybe would have went a little under the radar for those of us who wasn't uh, actually at Florence this weekend?
1: Well, one thing I, I wrote about uh, the first day I was there, Anthony Burroughs has joined uh, Ricky Thornton's team as a crew chief. Of course, Anthony has done, uh, had worked for several high-profile teams, and and Ricky has been basically without a kind of a full-time real crew chief uh, since Talon Center left earlier this spring. Uh, so, uh, and he finished second there on Thursday, Ricky did, uh, and then ended up 10th in the North South 100, but that's, that's something to watch. I mean, I think, you know, when there was, there were some doubts about whether that team, how that team was gonna, uh, you know, kind of keep on chugging this year and what was going to go on. And, and this feels like a little bit of a vote of confidence, uh, uh, from Todd Burns that maybe the SISI SISI team is going to. Uh, you know, really kind of uh, ramp it up a little bit. Ricky said they plan on adding other crew guys, well, uh, so it'll be interesting to see. You know, let's give them a, let's give them a little while to get uh, get get working together. Uh, even though they did get that runner-up finish in their very first start, but. But um you know there, as Anthony said there's lots of bigger races here toward the end of the year so if they can kind of get dialed in here we'll see uh what Ricky uh what Ricky can do and then uh, I mentioned Josh Rice before but he's you know <laughs> I mean he's worth the price of admission to watch him and and really for him I thought when I was looking at him through the middle stages of the North South when he's up there on the cushion at, at Florence um you know sometimes you feel like he's in in last year's North South 100 I felt this way that he was just up there and it was it was a matter of time when he's just gonna you know wipe out this year I I do feel like he 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 made a conscious effort to kind of withhold himself uh, kind of through the middle stages of the race and then and then kind of let it all hang out there at the end Um, and he ended up having a flat tire at the end which um probably probably, of his own doing when he hit the cushion too hard, or something like that, but otherwise probably would have finished second had he not had that flat tire, which is pretty impressive. You know he won that sixty lapper earlier this year at uh Florence, beating the Lucas oil guys, so he can beat those guys with man, a hundred lapper, uh especially running the way he does up there on the top uh is gonna be uh yeah know, it's just hard to make a car last that long uh but he was he was still pleased with his run and. And he's young. He's still learning. And, uh, you know, if he can learn to get down there a little bit like Overton or run run off the cushion sometimes, Rice could be a guy we're talking about uh, uh, winning some big races, not just at Florence, but some other places. Really, he's had quite a bit of success. I mean, his, uh, um, you know, it's he, he tends to be able to go to other tracks and perform well. So uh, uh, that's another shot in the arm for him to run a top five uh, in a crown jewel there at Florence.
0: Yeah, actually, I mentioned that in in fast talk how he stood out to me. Uh, not only for you know his run and 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 uh, you know providing some theatrics there on the on the cushion, but you know just how good he is, especially at Florence. He's he's really really good at Florence and has proved it proven it with uh, you know a big win there earlier this year and now a top five in, in the North South. And it's almost like I would bet money at this point. It, if I were a betting man on him winning the North South at some point, he's that good to me, to me at Florence. But as you mentioned, he's not a one track wonder. He's, you know, he's had success elsewhere and really is, is it, you know, a guy that, you know, I would keep my, my eye on, uh, you know, and for future, you know, r- breakout, like, I mean, he's having, you know, it's a great year. Uh, it was pretty good last year, but uh, you know, that's, that's one to watch for the future, I guess we could say, would, would you agree there, Kevin?
2: That's one guy that
0: I would really like to
2: see get out there and, and expand his horizons a little bit, you know, and, and and really run on a national kind of a of a level. Uh, I remember, uh, you know, Mark Richards was one guy who uh, he he's taken note of. I mean, I like to ask Mark Richards for some like, uh, you know, his, his thoughts on him. He, he can really identify, hey, these are the guys that that guy knows how to get up on the cushion and. Cause a guy needs to go on the cushion sometimes, especially uh, maybe qualifying or something. And if you can't get up on the cushion at all, you're probably going to be in, you know, you, you might not have uh, the good qualifying effort that you need sometimes. And and Mark, uh, like when I asked, hey, well, who's some of the younger guys you kind of see? And one of the guys he mentioned was Josh Rice. Uh, but he said he was especially, obviously, at Florence. Do we know if he can do it everywhere yet? Uh, not yet. I mean, cause he hasn't been able to really got, I mean, he hasn't really gone. He's gone to Volusia. I know he's raced down there and he's running Florida. He's run, uh, some of the other tracks in, in the area. He's had that great run. What was it? Eight years ago now or something that was at Eldora, uh, when he was a 16 year old kid, I think. I mean, it seems like yesterday, but it was so long ago. Uh, so I, I think he, he does have the, the, that that's that qualities I think you want in a driver, uh the, he's definitely a hard charger and and i i just i would like to see him get out more and get a chance to run more i mean i saw him at beckley this year in that southern nationals race that he won there was a little bit of controversy there i mean it was some some guys uh i know uh, Jer- uh jacob hawkins thought he ran a little hard uh, and got into him but uh but still he he ran a, he ran a great race at a track he'd never been to so uh, i think that shows that he can uh he, he might be able to get it done if you get him out there with the right team i mean he needs the equipment and everything and he's and he's building up the equipment here with this
0: uh, deal he's got now yeah definitely there's uh you know there's quite a few guys that you'd like to see get the chance to go you know spread their wings nationally so to speak and i would say Josh Rice is uh, on top of a lot of people's lists that someone would like to see you know get that chance and see what he can do uh you know running away from tracks where he's more more comfortable at but uh before we get too far away from from Florence and the, the north south um, I kind of wanted to cover a few things there but then I wanted to circle back and talk about Overton and uh, I know you know it's kind of hard right now to stop in the middle of a season and say how you know like where does this year rank where does uh you know how how good is this season you know there's Plenty of time at the end of the year to to talk about that and rank drivers and, and everything. But I, I feel like at, at this point, you know, Overton's won a lot. I think he went over a half million dollars in first place winnings uh, with his two wins this, this this weekend. That doesn't even include in, uh, second place and other finishes. That's just in first place, which is phenomenal. So he's having a great year. And I'm just wondering where you guys would compare that to other great years in the past. Do we are we seeing a uh, you know, a a you know historic like best year ever by any driver type deal, or or kind of where does it rank when you compare it to to other other drivers' uh, historic seasons? I'll uh, I'll and is it even like is it guaranteed that he's the top driver this year? I mean, if someone goes and sweeps, maybe a Davenport sweeps the the worlds. You know, are we still talking about this being a historic year for? for overton or do we kind of is it shift to davenport what do you, where do you guys think this ranks and and how could it end up finishing up in the second half of the season here todd i'll start with you
1: I, I think it's uh unless he completely collapses i think his season is definitely in the conversations for one thing he's got something that nobody else had a chance to do to win two dreams within you know 48 hours in one week in one week there at eldora which uh um you know th- that that's certainly kind of the centerpiece of his season but boy has he been awful good in stretches now he he's had a couple of uh you know it's not like the super consistency he's he's had a couple of uh times when he's faded off or it's like wow he finished 13th you know what happened but boy his stretches of wins when he's gotten hot has just been and including that stretch when he actually didn't race that much after the dreams but from june to july there i mean he was seemingly unbeatable and uh and really uh um i think this is a this is a tricky thing to do to, you know because i think we, we always like to do this hey what's the who had the best season and how does this compare to davenport in 2015 or shepherd or or going way back to a bloomquist season or or jack boggs in a, in 95. You know, it's a little bit like baseball and other sports where you're like, oh, it's a little bit of a different sport now than it used to be. So it it is difficult to compare that stuff. Um, But definitely, like I said, he's in the conversation. And one thing that strikes me about it is really for the first time in, I think, a pretty good while, he's the first non-national tour driver, a guy dedicated to one of the national tours to be in the conversation or, or a potential driver of the year I guess um and I can't remember if they have driver of the year but in 2009 Mars and Perkhoff both had really good seasons and uh, especially Mars I guess he had three fifty thousand dollar wins that year and he uh, uh he was not running a national tour uh but mostly you know you're looking at Davenport. Davenport and Shepard in recent years have been on national tours, and uh, so that's a little bit different. Uh, a little bit different for Overton. Uh, you mentioned if somebody else wins the the, the World One Hundreds, the double World One Hundreds, that changes the conversation. Well, if Overton, if he were to win both of them, <laughs> in, in some way, no matter what happened, that would make his season just you know unprecedented, at least in the Eldora world. And since Eldora's races rank so high. And are of such import, uh, it would be it would be hard to believe that uh we could ever forget uh Overton season with uh quadruple uh Eldora wins, which is unfathomable almost, but but it's uh it's on the
0: table. Yeah, most drivers would like to have, you know, four Eldora crown jewel victories in a career would be huge, would be big, would be nice for if, you know, overton continues like he is and you know is dominant in his return to odor uh, for the double worlds and somehow wins both sweeps them I'd just be crazy to think he'd won four in a, a single season uh, but I do go back to that uh Kevin if I if would have I think it'd have to be Davenport at this point if he were to you know uh, equal uh Overton's feat of sweeping uh, the the double uh, crown jewel events at odor and do it at the world Does he have a chance of, I mean, are we talking about a, a, you know, situation where we we have to compare the two for driver of the year or is it a given that uh, that Overton's even going to be the driver of the year this year?
2: Yeah. I I don't think it's a given really, because yeah, you look at it and you know, that we've been swapping them out in the number one rankings and uh, and and they both what have it. Well, I, well now Overton has 21 wins and and Davenport has 20. I mean, they're right neck and neck with total wins. uh, And and remember, Davenport, like Todd says, he is running a national tour over to so Davenport's going to have that one other little bonus thing there to to put up on the resume if he would end up winning that uh, Lucas LucasWall Championship. But that's not out of the question yet. He's and it, and it would be a heck of a comeback too if he wins it because uh, he he was kind of a, had a, had a good deficit uh, early in the season, and so um, I mean that would put him up if he wins those two at, at, at the world 100 or even one of them uh and, and maybe gets the the dirt track world championship for 100 grand or or something else i mean we'll, we'll, well we gotta still see about davenport he might go do that texas race and then go run las vegas and maybe give up on the world on the lucas oil championship we'll see where he's at in a, in a few weeks in the points but that's a potential 100 grand payday there at a at, at at las vegas if he would go and in race Texas because you could double your purse money if you have run Bristol, Texas, and, uh, and the Las Vegas race, you double your money in that, uh, the Las Vegas show in November. So he has a lot of things in, in front of him and, and they're still the top topless this weekend. So, uh, I, I really do feel they're kind of neck and neck. Um, uh, if, if, uh, Davenport could get one of those, at least one of them at Eldora and, 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 pair it up with the national ch- championship or another hundred grand win. So it's, it's really pretty cool, but, but what Overton is, is doing, I um, he, he is in the conversation for the most historic right now, uh, with, with everything standing. Uh, I, I have to say that, uh, but I said that, but that one thing that he would be missing is that national title. So he needs to maybe get, you know, an, another, you know, a, a couple more big crown jewels, maybe throw in Knoxville, throw in, uh, uh, dirt track world championship, something like that, in, in the world to to maybe beat that 2015 that Davenport had, uh, when he when he won both the dream and the world, or some of that couple of years ago when Shepherd had four hundred grand paydays, and in, in which including the the one for the world of outlaws, which that might because you get that extra point, money, that might actually put uh Shepherd ahead of even what uh the the total amount of money, the total purse money that. Overton could win this year. Matt Shepherd still might end up being more because he because he won
0: that World of Outlaws title too. Yeah, it's nice to have that, uh, you know, when you're running a, a national tour, the, not only the accolade of, you know, winning the, the series points, but the, the payday at the end, uh, you know, to add to uh, the winnings kind of pushes pushes over the top. It's just crazy. We're sitting here talking about these historic seasons, and there's still a lot of money to be won, uh, not just the, you know, uh, Eldora and the Dirt Track World Championship, but you got the, the Texas race, Knoxville, obviously, and Las Vegas and, and uh, the, uh, the Peach State uh, race at, uh, Senoya that was at oh, right, it, Yeah. Another yeah. one there. Right. So it's, it's, there's a lot of opportunity out there for, uh, you know, these two, you know, Davenport Overton, you know, you think could probably win, you know, get a lot of that money and win a lot of those races, but perhaps someone else, McCready, you know, hits on, you know, he had a great second half of the season last year. Uh, perhaps he, you know, starts clicking, getting things right. He's already pretty good, but, you know, gets a little better and, and, you know, wins a, f- a couple of big races and, uh, you know puts his name in the hat for you know driver of the year slash historic season uh whatever so it's there's a, there's a lot still on the table uh both when it c- comes to money and uh you know stats is uh between now and and uh, when we start really talking about driver of the year and and all that later in uh towards the the off season well, a little bit of an off season there is speaking of off season uh the the dirt car summer nationals had it's you know middle of the year off season i guess uh the last what was it 19 day break there up until this past weekend uh and then got back rolling at highland speedway the makeup weekend they uh, of course had uh the, both highland speedway and uh federated auto auto parts raceway at i-55 i realized i went there for the f- first time i think since it changed its name it was weird trying to call it that or i just couldn't remember. And I kept getting it wrong, but <laughs> when I was uh, writing about it, but, uh, anyway, the, um, I was there this past weekend. I was, uh, surprised that Highland, uh, was able to get their race in. I was uh, flying into St. Louis, uh, Thursday evening, Thursday night. And it, like, we circled around St. Louis for over an hour on the flight because it, they couldn't land. And, you know, I'm. When I land, I'm looking at the the weather. I knew it was going to be raining. I'm looking at the weather reports. They're like flash flooding uh, all through the area and and just kind of crazy weather. And then, uh, I guess it was Friday morning, they posted a picture from the track, and I – I'm be honest, I'm you know I don't you know track. I'm glad tracks are using social media, but I think that was an example of perhaps we should have found a different picture to post. Did, y'all know the picture I'm talking about. Did y'all happen to see the yeah. the picture? Yeah, it was from, a little muddy, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was muddy and rough. Well, again, I got I, I had one text from a driver saying he had changed his mind about going because it didn't look like it was going to be favorable uh, to smooth track conditions. And but uh, you know, kudos to the, the Highland Speedway folks. They uh, worked really hard to get the track in shape. And while it did end up being a little bit rough and tumble there Friday night, um, it was, they at least got it in, had a huge crowd That place. They, I don't know that they could have fit any more people inside those covered grandstands, um, there and they were excited. Like it was, uh, every time late miles hit the track, I, I, cause I didn't have anywhere to sit. I would go in the infield and they were cheering about everything going on. Every you know driver when they come out for qualifying, the heat races, uh, you know, had some decent race and they're cheering about it. And then they got fired up about the, uh, the feature there with a battle between uh, Bobby Pierce and, and Brandon Shepard and Shepard coming out on top. And I think they were pretty fired up to see Shepard back there and, and in, uh, in victory lane. Um, so it was a cool, cool for them. Uh, cool for that, that track to get, get the, get the race in. Um, like I said, it was a little rough, but uh, the character as Ashton Winger said afterwards, character makes a race uh, character a track with character makes a race more interesting. And it certainly made it interesting watching those guys try to navigate uh, the the holes and the rough spots that uh, all that rain produced there at Highland, of course, Brandon Shepard. Uh, he had some, quite a bit of damage on his car, and but still survived and uh, got a ten thousand dollar win there. He uh, on Saturday at I fifty five, they kind of flipped the script there with uh, Pierce getting the win and uh, kind of holding Shepard at bay. They I think they looked to me they were pretty equal, and it was a matter of who got to the to the lead uh, first. Of course, they were both uh, running there in the top five when Logan Martin running uh, led from the pole and got into a, got into a lap car and kind of got turned in the wall there and ended his night, unfortunately. Uh, but then uh, that put Shepard, uh, I believe he was second. Um, but Darren Klein had some issues on the restart and that put Shepard in the lead. And he, and uh, uh, I'm sorry, Pearson lead Shepard come out behind him in second there. And that's pretty much how they finished. I don't think it would have taken, you know, something lap traffic, um, you know, a mess up by Pierce, I think for, for Shepard to get him, they were just so equal, but, uh, going back to Shepard on the weekend, one thing interesting to me is I think he's—I looked it up—he's won five of fifteen races in his in the B5, his family-owned car. Whereas in the—I don't even know how many races he has in the Rocket Chassis house car, uh, but he also has five wins in the Rocket Chassis car. One of those coming on a split field feature at Cherokee earlier, his first win of the year. I'm just wondering if there's uh, you know any you know you guys are concerned there? We worried that hey, the way he's performing, you know, when he goes back, and of course they're different races. It's not the World Outlaws when he's running his family-owned car. Is there a concern that he's, uh, you know, having more success, at least statistically, ratio uh, wins to starts uh, compared to the Rocket Chassis house car? Kevin, you mentioned you talked to Mark Richards a lot. Uh, What's your your take on that?
2: It's kind of kind of funny. How long have we gone and been like, oh, my God, he looks he looks like he's human when he goes into the B5. Right. Uh, And he gets out of the Rocket car and. Uh, the rocket house car so it's kind of like it's almost flipped the script a little bit with his win percentage way up in the family car now and and uh and down in the house car but um I mean it's not like he's putting around the back with the house car I know that I mean he's he, just about every race he's in the mix there he's he's close to the front it's just there's just that little lack there of that that little extra firepower that he's had in the past few years to really get on a roll with that and and it's i don't know it's a uh, i'm not sure what it, exactly it is and i'm not sure that they still haven't figured it out if they knew what it was they'd have been you know he'd be back to winning uh stringing wins together with the house car so i i think that uh that they're still right there they're they, we keep saying it like oh eventually he's gonna he's gonna break out i mean it is getting a little bit later in the year here now to to string the wins together but there are a good chance. There's a good chance for him to do it in the la- next couple of weeks. I mean, he's got these four races in the Northeast, which uh, he's uh, he's run well. at All the tracks other than Orange County, the fair speedway on Thursday in New York, which he's never been to. Uh nobody pretty much not merely many people have it's been a long time since there has been a late model race there uh so he'll uh at the other tracks he's good at and he's got Davenport which he's great at he's got three nights in a row there and so I I, I think that uh we'll, we might be seeing him get a few wins here uh soon uh and and maybe push the,
0: he, he's got to reach double figures with that house car before the end of the year let's say that yeah, as we were saying, he he'll have plenty of opportunities to not only win races, but also, like I said, there's still plenty of money, plenty of big races to be won out there. Todd, would you would you agree that no no need for worry just yet with the brand Shepard in the rocket chassis house car?
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, I think considering the competition, you know, and that he is facing in the two cars and stuff, it's probably about right Uh you know, it is funny that, that people always say, oh, if you just run the top three, if you run the top five, the wins will come. And and they do for the most part. But for Shepard, they usually come in much bigger numbers. Uh, it is interesting that it's not like he's having a lot of dropouts and a lot of, you know, miserable nights. Uh, but 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 not being able to quite uh, win as many as Kevin says, it's a little bit of a mystery. And, uh, you know, you can kind of feel it going either way. You know, it's like, oh, he'll break out and win a bunch or maybe this is just the way the season's going to go kind of like when um not in the same way but when Marley won the championship over Shepherd a few years ago you know Shepard tend to have more dropouts and more problems uh, this year it's not that but it's not quite the same either so i don't know we'll see we'll see how he does but the B5 uh um you know i, I think i think he's happy to climb in that when he gets a chance
0: too as uh, it's doing so well yeah, definitely. You can tell whenever he's in it. And, uh, and when I've covered him running that, I also covered him at the, at the show me when he was in it, he's enjoying himself and enjoys the opportunity to race there, uh, usually close to home, um, and, and with his family there. So the other winner on the, on the weekend, as we mentioned was Bobby Pierce. Uh, you know, he'll be continuing on with the series, the the summer nationals, as it wraps up with four races this week in Michigan, which I'll be, uh, I'll be covering excited to get back up there and some, a uh, little bit, cooler weather than here in, in Florida excited about that but uh, but yeah I think Pierce uh, was his 12th win there when he won at i-55's first time winning on the series at i-55 um, 12 wins is his uh, career best I believe on the series so he's having you know kind of a, a best personal best year on the summer nationals he's pretty pretty much got the the title wrapped up I mean hes just kind of have to go go to these races and not completely implode or anything like that. Um so yeah it's kind of been a been a pretty good year, would you guys say Todd I know you've covered a lot of his uh you know summer nationals days and and everything with Pierce there. would you say it's been a pretty good campaign for him on the summer nationals this year?
1: yeah, I think it i mean the 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 schedule is a little different this year. I think it kind of overshadows him a little lo- a little bit and and his his own you know thoughts at the beginning well, I'm probably not going to run at all well, maybe I will run them all. Maybe, you know, it's been a little disjointed and that he's won 12 races. You can't take away that from him. But I I think if he would have gotten to do this in the regular month-long thing and really ripped off all those wins, he would have built up much more, I think, excitement and momentum. And, you know, this possible march toward matching Shannon Babb's 15 victories, uh, which is the most in the season. So, um so yeah, quite a quite a um, quite a season for Pierce. Even though a, a little bit disjointed. we'll see how he finishes it out. Though I will say he might—he's going to run into Rushy Slink there in Michigan, who who's on a roll. You know, besides his uh, big thirty-three thousand dollar win at Merit, uh, I think it was about—I don't know—this maybe a month or so ago he was leading at Attica and I think got to the wall, like hit the wall, and, like knocked himself out of the race. And I think since then, or maybe since a, a race or two since then. Russi's won six of his last seven starts, uh, and he plans on being uh, uh, there at Butler on Wednesday and I-96 on Thursday. So uh, so Russi's going to, I'm sure, try to give Bob, Bobby uh, all he can there uh, as Bobby's trying to march toward that 15th victory.
0: Yeah, it could be a uh, very historic season or at least summer nationals campaign for for Pierce if he's able to win, Uh, get to that 15 win mark. And heck, he could even at 12 wins, he could pass it if he sweeps all four, uh, you know, this week. But as you said, Todd, it won't be an easy task. The uh, you got Rusty Schlink coming in there. But in the Michigan drivers, um, you know, Eric Spangler, uh, Donna McCure, uh, all those guys, um, Jeep Van Warmer has been running a little better. All those guys are going to be waiting on him coming up there. And I also saw Devin Morant is planning on running the, the Michigan swing, uh, this week. He'll, he started the summer nationals way back in gosh, two months ago. <laughs> when was it <laughs> June? <laughs> so, and he's going to uh, circle back and finish with them in, in Michigan. It looks like uh, so it'd be interesting to see how those races go at Butler. Um, I-96, and then, let's see, Tri-City and Merritt to round it out. So uh, I'm looking forward to heading up there again get get some cooler weather and hopefully some good racing. Uh, I believe, Todd, are you uh, going to Batesville this weekend? Is that correct? I I Uh, am. I am. Excited. I'm I'm, I'm sure to be at the Topless 100. I guess that would be, you know, as we kind of wrap up here, uh, one way we'll finish like we kind of did last week. uh, One storyline we're following uh, from the Topless, the big race of the, of the weekend and then um, one storyline where we'll be following elsewhere. A couple of things for uh, uh, the audience to look out for this week as they're uh, going to the races or following along from home. Uh, Kevin, I'll start with you. What do you got for the topless and one thing elsewhere?
2: Yeah, the topless uh, definitely with, uh, I, I, I'm looking at McCready. I'm going to go back to Tim McCready. Uh, Can he get that crown jewel win uh, under his belt? Just get that one more spot is all he needs. He's been so, uh, so close already. And I, I feel like this could be, uh, I, I'm going to pick Tim McCready to win this one. I'm, I'm saying Tim McCready wins the top list. That'll, that'll be my, uh, my, uh, choice. And I think it's time when you're, when you're knocking around there, uh, right close to the front and, uh, uh, he, he's going to get one. He, it's not like he's running fifth. He's running second. He's going to get that one more spot. And, uh, it's uh he's looking like he's winning this world. of, I, I mean, I picked him to win the Lucas Oil Championship this year too. I'm not going to go back on that. And and I think he ends up uh he, he needs like one of the one of the you know one of the big ones to make that season look even better when he wins a championship. Uh, uh and then then elsewhere uh a, a storyline there with the World of Outlaws uh, uh four nights in a row. And right now I'm looking at Chris Madden being 102 points behind Brandon Shepard. Uh. Uh, this this is the weekend I think he needs to make a little headway in that. I mean it it seems like every race, uh, 100 only being 100 points behind Brandon Shepard in the middle of August is pretty damn good I think compared to what uh, uh the past few seasons have looked like for everybody else with the World of Outlaws. So uh, I'm looking at you look at four races in a row. This has got to be a cha- or 16 total, so a quarter of the r- total left in the season with the Outlaws. So that, that's we're doing a quarter of them this week and these are the ones that probably aren't uh, Madden's best tracks because they're out of his territory uh, but if he can make some headway at least you know knock a little bit of that that uh, deficit away he's got some good play you know the the seven of the last 16 races here are at there's like two at Cherokee two at Charlotte obviously at the end of the year with the World Finals you got Livonia you got uh, Volunteer, and you got 4'11". Those are more tracks in his southeast area that Madden uh, kind of in his wheelhouse. So if he's able to get this deficit down this week, maybe he can have a shot still at that championship. But I, I fear if he doesn't, if he's just one, or, one spot ahead, one spot behind Shepard uh, all through this northern swing, then it's going to be the, – the, the chances are really small – that he can overcome that that uh that point uh point
0: shortage that he has. Yeah, definitely the uh the, the the end of the season on the Outlaws favors him with some of the tracks, but he can't leave it till then. He's gotta start the uh the comeback has to start pretty quickly if it's uh if it's gonna happen. Todd, what about you? What do you got one thing from Batesville you'll be watching and then one thing elsewhere?
1: I just think Batesville and this beat beating the drum here a little bit but Batesville looks like a a Davenport Overton showdown to me uh Davenport won there a couple times earlier this year and and I can just see in my mind's eye right now Overton zipping around that track just like he did in Florence last week and wondering if anybody can can do anything about that uh we'll see uh on the world of outlaws I feel like that swing might be lend itself towards seeing a couple of uh, non-series uh, winners, uh, pretty competitive cars at, at some of those tracks, and also again tracks that not that they don't frequently go to. Uh, so uh, that's what I'd be
0: looking for there. I will say my storyline for uh, Batesville is Billy Moyer. He uh, kind of. Um, un- was unexpected raced, uh, this, uh, this past weekend with a second place finish at Lake Ozark with the MLRA tour. And he has Batesville on his schedule, of course, uh, at the same time, um, you know, I'm seeing posts on Facebook about his, all his racing stuff and even his house and shop being up for sale. If you're in Batesville, go by and look at it. So, uh, but he's still racing for now. And, um, you know, of course last year, uh, the dramatic finish where he, uh, tried to pass Jimmy Owens on the, the last lap and just, uh, misjudged the exit. Uh, turn two, got into the wall, and, and I think he ended up fourth or something. It was so uh, could perhaps he have one more magical moment uh, before he really calls it a career. Um, uh, can you know this weekend at Batesville? So definitely, I think that's one thing worth watching. And then uh, the World Outlaws up in the Northeast. Uh, I'm definitely gonna have my eye on Max Blair. Um, of course, he went uh, with the tour uh, Viper Motorsports team. They went uh, to Wisconsin, and it uh, was pretty impressive there uh, with, I believe, a sixth place finish at the uh, USA Nationals, so at Cedar Lake. So uh, it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, four races there, kind of more in his neighborhood, uh, if he can, uh, you know, imp- maybe make uh, make good on that opportunity and have a win or maybe m- multiple wins uh, with the series there closer to home. So that's definitely uh, my, my two storylines I'll be watching this weekend. Uh, we'll go ahead and finish up with one more thing where we go around and each mention one thing that stood out to us, whether it's results, news, or whatever from the past week. Uh, I'll start it off. I'm going to actually go back to the Summer Nationals at I-55 and mention the, uh, in case anyone missed it, because I think this is kind of important, the uh, issue that happened um, when Brandon Shepard's upright on his liftgate trailer in the pits, uh, uh, wind blew. He had been there a couple hours already during the day, and he thought he had plenty of room between the upright and the power uh, line that was running across the pit area. But apparently there was not enough room there and the wind blew the power line into his upright um, up above his trailer that was holding the lift gate up and uh, caused it to short out or whatever power lines do uh, in that situation and snap and fall. And the line, the live wire uh, fell across the pit area, landed on the other side of the pit area on Tanner English's car and burnt holes uh in the uh the sheet metal of his race car that wasn't, that was just kind of there was all kinds of crazy stuff that happened because of that like they showed me um after it was all over and cleaned up and again luckily, no one was you know close enough to be uh be, to be an issue or be hurt or anything everyone was fine but they showed me where the lift tanner English's car was sitting on the the uh, hydraulic hoses running on the ground through the grass to where the the uh lift the box that controls the lift was like had burned the grass. Uh, just all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, I think Shepherd said he had some electrical issues, like it it uh, uh, fried his uh, battery chargers, a couple other things. Uh, and just fortunate that no one was was hurt. Uh, I think both both sides of the pit area, I was talking to it, at Shepherds and, and at English's, everyone was just kind of amazed that uh, everyone had no, no issues there. So the reason I'm mentioning that, and this is one thing I did, my brothers, they race and they just got a liftgate trailer for the first time this year. And it's like I immediately called, no, not immediately, but after the night I was, calling and talking to them about the races and everything it's first hand said hey y'all you always look up above before you you lift the lift gate up right like be sure there's no power <laughs> line above you so i think yeah all, all teams and and drivers just a reminder to be aware that you know what's above you whenever you're going to unload uh anytime you're you're in the pit area there just keep an eye on that so there's no no issues but anyway that's one, my one more thing uh todd what do you got
1: I was going to talk about a Wisconsin driver, Brad Mueller, from Random Lake there. I I saw some, I guess it was just some cell phone footage of his June 25th wreck at Plymouth. I believe he was leading and got tangled up with a lap car and went flipping violently down uh, the front stretch or the back stretch. I'm not sure which, but uh, really put a little image in his car, and I guess kept him out of his dirt uh, late model there for for a number of weeks anyway he was back this weekend this past weekend and won a couple of races came back won at plymouth uh, and then also won the dirt King, dirt kings race so uh, a two-win weekend uh, probably a nice uh, nice way to to rebound from uh uh from probably his lowest point of the season to to maybe his highest point of the season so brad Mueller, a, a great run
0: a great weekend up there in wisconsin yeah, definitely a, a great way to, to bounce back there with a couple of big wins. Kevin, what do you got for one more thing? I uh,
2: mentioned a, a sad note from the weekend when uh, last Thursday, the passing of uh, DJ Troutman, a driver from uh, Pennsylvania, Bedford area, a former Bedford champion and a son of Dave Troutman, who's a veteran in Pennsylvania also, and, and uh, DJ is the father of Drake Troutman. Uh, who's an up-and-coming 17-year-old modified and late model uh, youngster there who's really making some strides and getting noticed with his talent. Uh, a really good kid, and and it was really man, it was a shocker to see uh, that DJ passed away. Uh, he contracted COVID, and um, and that uh, can you know problems uh, you know the kind of the complications from that and put him in the hospital and and everything. From what I had heard, he w- he was doing uh, he actually was all right. Uh, they, they had, that's one of the reasons why they actually skipped uh, Drake was supposed to run the USA nationals uh, a couple of weeks ago was that fans fund. And then I guess that they um, had the whole family uh, had, you know, contracted it. And, and uh, I'm a DJ guy. It's only 39 years old. And I know, I mean, every time I've seen DJ in the pit area, so friendly, always coming over and talking, just talked to him a month ago at, uh, and took pictures of him and him and Drake when they uh, kind of run the road together in the summer nationals. And, uh, man, uh, this, 39 uh, year old, uh, father of this young, uh, up and coming driver. It's just, it's, it's, it's hard to believe that this, he's not going to be there now to see, uh, Drake. Cause I know that he, he was with Drake every race they go to. I mean, what a big supporter and biggest fan of Drake and. Um, I mean, it's gonna be tough for Drake to go on without his dad there. Obviously, I mean, you know, it's always tough, and especially when he's your right hand man at the racetrack. So, uh, just thinking of all that, all the Troutmans, and you know, a lot of they're they're well known in the in Pennsylvania area there. And uh, you know, can, uh, condolences to all them after with uh, DJ's passing. Real real shocker for the for the racing community,
0: I think. Yeah, actually, that one hit me kind of hard. Whenever I heard the news, there it was. Uh, this time last year on the the Michigan Summer Nationals trip that uh, I met the Troutmans for the first time. Uh, Drake was there running uh, some summer the Summer Nationals races, and um, you know, he definitely that seemed like a nice family, good kid. Um, hate to hear that, obviously. So uh, thoughts and prayers, obviously, are with uh, the Troutmans and and that family. So. But that's going to do it uh, for this week's episode of the podcast. Appreciate everyone listening, and uh, we'll be back next week with another episode. Y'all have a great week.